Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Oh, I'm sorry, I came up the wrong way. I went to the bank today. I went to the bank today, and uh, when I was at the bank, the lady said, oh, it's so good to see you. She said, Pastor Matt was in here earlier today, and I said, oh, great. And she said, and then there was that other guy. I really like him. Uh, he's, well, he's that old, the older silver-haired guy. And I said, that's Pastor Shore, and I'll tell him you said that. It's good to be here. We, uh, we didn't expect to be here this week. Uh, we uh, were heading from Colorado down to Yuma, Arizona, and uh, I found out it was only a 15-minute difference if we came to Las Vegas, and I found out that I wasn't supposed to start there until Sunday, and so I thought, man, I'm coming home. And so when I got home, wasn't expecting to speak tonight, but Pastor uh, uh, Matt and I were talking. He said, would you like to speak tonight? I said, yes. And he said, okay, you can. And so I'm so glad that he gave me permission. We're in Mark chapter 6. We've been talking when I'm here on Wednesday evening about, uh, by the way, isn't the, the signs and signals? those uh, messages that Pastor Matt have been sharing. They have been so, so good. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say this Sunday. Looking forward to this Sunday. I hope you've invited a friend uh, to, uh, to this Sunday as we celebrate all that God has done and we have the Harvest Festival. It's going to be great. So don't miss that. Don't, be, don't miss being part of that. Uh, my wife and I will be in Yuma, Arizona, wishing we were here. But uh, doing what God, we know that God wants us to do. So don't, don't miss out on that. Don't, be, don't miss out on being part of that. And invite somebody. Oftentimes people will come to a, to a special event at a church. That's why we have special events. They'll come when they wouldn't come on a regular Sunday. And so this is a great opportunity to invite your friends. Well, we've been talking about Jesus, our example. And tonight, we're talking about that specifically. We're going to be talking about the fact that he is our example. And in this short passage, just a, a Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we're going to look at Jesus going home. He goes back to Nazareth. Now, before he left into his Galilean ministry, Jesus went uh, went into the temple. When he went into the, or not, not the temple, but he went into the synagogue there in his hometown, and he, uh, he shared with them that he was the Messiah. And he, he shared with them that they were going to miss out on the blessings that God had for them. We'll see that in just a few minutes. But, uh, but they were so upset with him that they took him out to the edge of the city and they were going to throw him off of a cliff. And so then he leaves there. He goes down to Capernaum. He makes Capernaum his headquarters. And, he, and he's preaching the gospel. And people are getting saved. Our people are getting uh, healed. Miracles are taking place. And they, and back in his hometown have heard of him. Now, Jesus loves the people in his hometown. And so he goes back to his hometown to visit his family. And we're going to learn a lot about him tonight just in these six verses in his hometown. The Bible says, and he went out from thence, that is, he left Capernaum, and he came into his own country, that is, his hometown, Nazareth. And uh, his disciples followed him. That's what disciples do. They follow their leader, their teacher. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Some very important things we learn about Jesus here. He began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, they had watched him grow up. And so they say, Is this not, is not this the carpenter, the, the son of Mary? the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are, are not all these, are not his sisters here with us? So he had brothers and he had sisters. 
And they were offended with him. They said, isn't this the kid we watched grow up here in town? And doesn't he, doesn't he serve as a carpenter? And didn't he work uh, as a carpenter? His father, uh, his, uh, Joseph, was a, fa- was, a, was, a, was a carpenter. And he uh, is a carpenter. And who does he think he is? But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could there do not or do no mighty works, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages teaching. It's amazing uh, the response that we get from those that are closest to us. And it's amazing how people don't realize who they are with. I was preaching at a, at a Bible college called, Pens- uh, called uh, Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College many years ago, 25 years ago or so. I, in fact, I'm not, it might have been even longer than that. It might have been 30 years ago. I was preaching there, and uh, after you, uh, I, I told the kids, listen, I said, look, when we're finished here, because it's like 45 minutes from Disneyland, I said, hey, when we're finished preaching here, uh, I'm going to leave, and we're going to get in the car, and we're going to go to Disneyland. It happened to be Faith's birthday on that day, and on that day, uh, she, uh, she, uh, I promised her, on your birthday, we're going to go to Disneyland. It's going to be great. So they're all coming. Now my kids could care less about what I'm preaching on. They could care less about anything. They're just waiting for the time to get finished so they can get out of there and go to Disneyland. They're sitting back here, and, and uh, uh, I, uh, I finished preaching. As soon as I was finished preaching, uh, the, pre- the president of the college stood up, and he said, he said, now, we're so glad that Pastor Tice is here with us today, and uh, many of you might want to ask him some questions. And so uh, as soon as he's finished, I'm going to have him standing right down here in front of the pulpit, and you can come and talk to him, and you can have him sign your Bible if you'd like. And so afterwards, uh, after I preached, I walked down in front of the pulpit like he asked me to, and I'm standing there. Well, for that reason, for that, for, for, on that day, for some reason, Every kid in the college, it seems, stood in line. They wanted me to talk to them. I mean, they all stood there. They're lined up from here to that wall. And Matt and Josh and Charity and Faith are all back in the back waiting. Uh, and they're waiting for me. And, I'm, and uh, Anna's sitting with them. And, and I'm just talking to people. And I'm signing Bibles and, and talking to people and signing Bibles. And Matt, I'm looking over at Matt and Josh. And they're coming, come on, Dad, come on. And, uh, and then they didn't want to come up because they knew they'd get in trouble. So they sent Faith up. Now, Faith's about eight years old. And Faith, Faith comes up and she starts tugging on my, on my thing. I said, wait, hold on for just a minute. And I'm talking to these children, uh, looking, or trying to, these college students trying to look intelligent, and I'm signing Bibles and saying, good to meet you, and doing what I'm, you know, supposed to be doing, Mr. Celebrity. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Faith's just pulling up. She's oblivious. Um, she was born a blonde. She was absolutely oblivious to what was going on, and she's, she's pulling on my shirt, and I said, uh, I said, Faith, stop it. And then pretty soon she stopped, and looked at me, and then looked at the line, and looked back at me, and then she did this. She said, what are you doing? Are you signing Bibles? She said, what do you think you are, some big shot or something? (laughs) And then everybody left and went home, and we went to Disneyland, and that that was the whole object anyway. We, we oftentimes do not know who, we're, who we are with, and we oftentimes don't realize who we are influencing. The Lord Jesus Christ is God in, in human flesh, but he lived as a man, and in this story we see that. He grew up as a man. He grew up. He was not just 100% God. He was 100% man. So let's take a look at some things that we can learn from him. Number one, I want you to see this, that Jesus cared. Am I, am I flipping or are, is this on, off, and am I flipping? Good. Jesus cared about his family. Okay. So number one, I want you to see this, that Jesus cared about his, fr- his family and his friends. 
He really did care about them. Uh, this is the second time, as I said, that he returned to his hometown. He has come, uh, he is, he's coming home, and this is after he's been ministering for about a year. Uh, he was rejected when he began his ministry. In fact, the Bible tells us, and I mentioned this, that he was taken out at the edge of the city. He stood up in the synagogue to read. He read that he, he read a passage from Isaiah, and he said it was about the Messiah, and he said, this day these words are fulfilled in your ears. And they began to say, who in the world do you think you are? And he said unto them, he said, uh, Jesus Jesus said, uh, look in your notes, it says, and he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, but the, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout the land, but none of them, but, but unto none of them was Elias sent saved to Sarepta, the city of Sidon, and a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in the, in the uh, times of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, save a name in the Syrian. And all they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these words, were filled with wrath. He was saying, you're missing out on the blessing of God. You're missing out on what God has for you. You are are just like those who rejected the prophets in the old times, and they get so mad, they take him up to a place called the brow of the hill. In fact, you can go there in Israel today. It's still there, and they tried to toss him off. But the Bible says he slipped away through the crowd. They tried to destroy him. Uh, he had been in the ministry now for a, a year and a half, and he comes back because why? Because he cared about, he cared about his family and friends. I think this is something we need to learn from the Lord. We need to learn from him that, and follow his example and understanding that God wants us to care about our family. But sometimes we're not the ones that are going to reach our family. Don't get upset because your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your, your best friend, uh, that once you got saved, you can't seem to reach them. They, 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 they just can't see it. I can remember I had a, a brother-in-law who for 25 years was here in this ministry. In fact, when, uh, here in this city. Um, and I can remember when we, when we started this church from scratch, and um, he came, actually helped me unload things, helped me set up church, came to our very first service, but he very seldom came to church. He just very seldom came, and uh, he lived his life, and he would say, I'm an atheist, and he would say, he would say uh, things. Uh, now, I know that he'd gotten saved, and he trusted Christ as his Savior, but he would just, uh, he just didn't act like he should, and he, he wasn't consistent in church. He, after 25 years, he was moving away. In fact, he was moving to Missouri, and uh, he came over, and he said, I just want to tell you something. He said, I've watched you for 25 years. He said, I've watched you, and he said, I know I've given you a hard time. And I'm thinking, I'm not making any kind of impact at all. He said, but I've watched you for 25 years. And he said, he said, you're the only person that I know personally who's been consistent. And he said, you decided you wanted to do something, you did it. And he said, you are just a wonderful example to so many people. And he left. He moved to Missouri. He joined a Baptist church and started going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He would call me up and he would say, hey, have you ever heard of a Christmas program? No, Rick, tell me about it. And then he would tell me about what a Christmas program was. He told me about Easter programs. He said, he said man, they do all sorts of things. You should try this at your church. And uh, just, just, just so funny. We need to understand, don't, don't get upset because you're not the person that's making a great impact on your brothers or your sisters or your cousins or your aunts or your uncles or your mom or your dad. The fact of the matter is, first of all, you're making an impact that you may not realize. And number two, understand understand this, that it's God. God wants us, Jesus wants us to care about our family and friends. Why did he go back? Jesus knew what was going to happen when he went back. He knew the rejection, but he cared about his, his, his uh, brothers and sisters. He cared about his family members. He cared about them all. 
And so he went back to reach them. Second thing I want you to see this is that Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So important. It's so wonderful that you're here on Wednesday night to hear the Word of God. The local church is so, so important. The synagogue was just the local church for the Jews. It was where they met together. Uh, They met together on the Sabbath. By the way, just a couple of thoughts. The, The Sabbath was Saturday. Oftentimes people refer to Sunday as the Sabbath. It is not. Sunday is the first day of the week. The Jews worshiped on Sabbath and on the Sabbath, and in the Ten Commandments, God said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. There are churches today who say, hey, it's not right for us to go to church on Sunday. We should be going to church on Saturday because God said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and he didn't discount that law in the New Testament. Well, he didn't, he didn't say don't be in church on the Sabbath, so there's nothing wrong with being in the church on Saturday if you want to go uh, to church on Saturday. But he didn't say in the New Testament that we need to keep the Sabbath. In fact, uh, we don't, don't keep the Sabbath. We worship on Sunday. Why do we worship on the first day of the week? People will ask this question. I thought this would be a nice night to answer that. Why do we worship on the first day of the week when, when even Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath? Why don't we go to church on, on Sunday? Well, here's why. Uh, we worship on Sunday because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. In Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, uh, one of, uh, out of whom he had cast seven devils. So the church, and, and, or, and over and over again we read and we know that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. Well, what, that, that shouldn't change anything. We still have the Sabbath. We still have the seventh day. You'll note this, that on the Sabbath, throughout the book of Acts, the disciples were busy on the Sabbath. You know what they were busy doing? They were going into the temple. And they weren't going in there in the temple to worship. They were going into the temple to win people to Jesus Christ. They were going where the Jewish people were to win Jewish people to Christ. Over and over again, we find that. In fact, Paul, when he went from town to town, would go into the synagogues on the Sabbath, and he would try to reach people. But you can't meet together in church on the Sabbath if, the, if that's where you're doing your evangelism in the synagogue. So the church met together on the first day of the week. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 uh, and verse 7, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, that's when they got together, Paul preached unto them, uh, ready to depart unto, on tomorrow. So this is a specific instance, but they met together on the first day of the week. And the Bible tells us that the church met together uh, to to give on the first day of the week. In, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, it says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay up in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. So the, 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 the um, practice of the New Testament believers was to meet. They evangelized on Saturday. They, they met together uh, on the first day of the week in the New Testament, and that's why we worship on Sunday, if anybody should ask you. We should follow, but here's what I want to point out. We should follow Jesus' example to be in church as often as possible. Anytime Jesus went to another city, anytime Jesus went anywhere, the Bible indicates that he, that he had this policy, this practice in his life that, that, that when the, the, the there was an assembly of people. He was there, and, and he assembled together. We need to, to assemble. We need to be together as often as possible. Now, why do, we de- why do we need that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us about the first meeting of the first church that was empowered by God. The Bible says, and they that gladly, they, or they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. So the first church met together so they could hear the apostles' doctrine so they could hear the preaching of the Word of God. Why do we focus so much uh, in our services on, on preaching the Word of God? Because that's what the early church did. That's the primary thing they did. And then it says, this is, by, by the way, very important, fellowship. One of the negative things about going to church on the Internet 
uh, is that you're not going to church on the internet. Uh, when, when everything was closed down because of the pandemic, people said, well, we're having church at home. No, you're not. The word church means to assemble. Okay, that, that's the, what the word means. It means assembly. If we're not assembling together, we're not churching. Oh, we're getting some teaching, and it's good you've got some teaching. We love, I love the teaching ministries of many television evangelists. I love the teaching ministries that we have on our radio. I'm so glad for KVXL. If you do, I, was, I was driving down the road listening to some great preachers just today. Uh, uh, listening to KVXL 101.1 FM. It's important that we have that preaching and the teaching, and I'm glad that we can do it in a multiplicity of ways, but that's not what church is all about. Church is hearing the teaching of the Word of God, but it's also fellowship. We need one another. I need to be able to come in and make fun of uh, Pastor Shore's gray hair. Uh, I need to come in and hear uh, somebody give Rob a hard time about his love for the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I, I need to hear that. I need to be together and encourage one another. It's a, it's, a, it's a need. You need that. And if you think you don't need it, then you're wrong. Uh, you need the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. You say, well, sometimes I get around uh, Christians and, it, and it's not meeting much of a need. Well, you might be meeting their need instead of uh, that them meeting your needs, but we need that fellowship. And then the breaking of bread, they met together to, for the ordinances. In fact, the Bible says they that gladly received his word were baptized, and they were added unto the church. So you have the breaking of bread, the, the Lord's Supper, and you have baptism. And then the Bible says they met together for prayers. We pray for one another. I think it's so neat that on Wednesday night we have, we, we, we hear an interview, or Pastor Neil interviews one of our missionaries, and then we pray for that missionary. It's so important that we pray one for another. And so that the early church was very important. So Jesus loved family. He loved his friends, went back to reach them. He, number two, was constantly, every time we, we read about him, he's in church. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach. So oftentimes it'll say, as was his custom, he began to teach in the synagogue. He would go to the synagogue. Number three, uh, Jesus ministered any time he was given the opportunity. Any time he was given the opportunity to serve, he was there. Uh, he, he, right now, he's in his hometown. Uh, he was invited. Obviously, when you walk into the synagogue, there's the head of the synagogue, and you have to be invited to speak. He was in his hometown, and he was invited to speak, and so uh, he did. Uh, we should, anytime we have an opportunity to serve, follow the Lord's example. If, if God's given you an opportunity to serve, you say, well, I don't know where I should serve. You should try your best to find a place where you're serving, where you're not just coming and getting fed the Word of God and then just going home. If, if we're just taking in and taking in and taking in and taking in and we're not giving out, we're not serving, pretty soon we'll burn out and, or we'll soak out because you can only soak up so much as a sponge uh, and then you're useless. Uh, what you need to do is, is take it all in and then allow yourself to drain it out by giving the truth to others. We, you never know who you're going to impact when you're in church, when you're serving in church. You have no idea. I, I love the statement that George Washington's father didn't know who he was raising. Had no idea who he was raising. He's making an impact. You have no idea who you are going to impact wherever you are. Sometimes Satan will say to us, our ministry is so small. It's so, it's so insignificant. And who are you really touching? And then we find out years later, uh, I remember walking walking right down this aisle, standing in the middle of this aisle, uh, and, a, and a guy came walking in. He said, are you Dave Tice? I said, yes. He said, my youth pastor wanted me to tell you thank you. I said, really? Who's your youth pastor? And he told me, I said, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the name. He said, he probably, he said you probably wouldn't know who he was. And I said, uh, I said, well, tell me who he is. He said, well, he's my youth pastor. And I, I said, well, how do I know him, and how does he know me, and why is he telling you to thank me? He said he came, he was shipped out here when he was in the, in the uh, Air Force. He was shipped out here, TDY, to Nellis. And one night, one of the guys at Nellis said, uh, on a Wednesday night, they said, what are you doing? He said, nothing. He said, why don't you come to us? I'm going to take you to church. And he brought him over here to church. 
And he said, you preached. And you told him how he could know for sure he was going to heaven. He said that night he listened. He trusted Christ as his Savior. He didn't tell anybody. He just left. And he said then as soon as he got back to, to where he was and his base, he started going to church. He, uh, and, and, and then he went to Bible college. And then he became a youth pastor. And it's all because you gave the gospel on Wednesday night. And he told me to say thank you to you. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing. You have no idea who you're impacting. You have no idea what God is doing through you. And so, so be faithful uh, to serve any time you have an opportunity. His disciples followed him. He did. And, 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 and by the way, he was impacting them. If he was in the synagogue there and everybody in the synagogue rejected him, his disciples were there hearing him teach and he was impacting them. They were going to find themselves later on rejected. They were going to find themselves, uh, most of them died martyrs' deaths uh, for the cause of Christ. They were learning from his example. So anytime you, God's given you an opportunity to minister, you ought to, you ought to take advantage of that. Number four, Jesus spoke with wisdom and authority. Jesus spoke with wisdom and authority. Can I tell you this? God gives us wisdom. When we get saved, the Bible says, this is absolutely amazing. We talk about these things, but this is just an absolutely amazing truth. When we get saved, we're spiritually dead, and God makes us spiritually alive. And the way he does that is by sending his Holy Spirit, that is, him in spiritual form. He comes to live inside of our bodies. And Ephesians chapter 2 says he takes our dead spirits and makes them come alive. So we become alive in Jesus Christ and we have God living in us. The God of all wisdom, the God of all knowledge, the God of every, the God, the, the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus Christ as a man comes to live inside of you and me as men and women. We, are, we have him living inside of us. It's God that gives us wisdom. Now, where do you get the authority and the wisdom? Listen, you get that by spending time with God. We get wisdom from spending time with God. You, people, I, 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 there was a man who came in here and he said, listen, I have, and he told me how many different degrees. He said, but when I come in here and I listen to you speak, he said, you, said, you say things, and he said, it just is way beyond anything I've ever heard. And I think that's not me. That's totally and completely God. You need to spend time with God. Here's what the Bible says. It says, when we pray daily, we will receive his power to be bold witnesses. How can I be a witness? How can I be what God wants me to be? In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, the, the disciples were threatened. And the Bible says that when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Can I tell you this? Before the place was shaken, they were probably shaken. I mean, they're being threatened. They're being told, they're just like you and me. They're afraid. Somebody says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you if you get up to preach. That, that scares you. I don't care how Mr. Bold you are. Uh, listen, it's a scary thing. But the Bible says they, they were threatened, but they, they got together and they prayed that God would give them boldness. And the Bible says that when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. They just, they, God gave them boldness because they, they went to him asking him in prayer for boldness. We get boldness when we study the word of God. When we study his word, we receive knowledge to pass on to others. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When we study the word of God, then we can speak with authority his word. You say, well, I've just not studied. No, then start studying it. Make sure you get into the word of God. Let, let yourself hear the teaching. There's amazing teachers in this church. Uh, get, if you're not involved in a connection class, get involved in a connection class. Get involved in the study. Listen, take notes when Pastor Matt is speaking on Sunday morning. Listen to the word of God. Take notes when preachers are preaching. I, 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 I follow when I'm gone, when I'm not here in this pulpit, I'm listening to the preachers that are preaching in this pulpit because I get fed the Word of God. So you get the feeding of the Word of God, then feed yourself. You've got the written Word of God. You can listen to the Word of God. Let God's Word fill you, and you'll have boldness. You'll, you'll have the wisdom, and you'll have the authority of Jesus. You say, isn't that blasphemy to say that you'll have the same wisdom and authority of Jesus? No, Jesus said, I'm giving that to you. 
Jesus said, all powers, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. He wants us to go. And he said if we go, he would go with us. Remember this, that Jesus quoted the scripture as his authority. He quoted the scripture as his authority. When he was facing Satan on, uh, out in the wilderness, the Bible says he answered and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. He quoted, the, he quoted the scripture three times and defeated Satan, not with his own human authority, but with the authority of God's word. So Jesus spoke with authority, and he ministered to people with authority, and you should too. Jesus, I like this, Jesus was known as the carpenter. Is not this the carpenter? In Matthew it says, is not this the carpenter's son? They looked at him as just another human being. But I want you to note this, they recognized him as a carpenter. Do you know that carpenters work hard? Today they work hard, back then they worked harder. I mean, they, they, did, they did stone masonry. They did, they did uh, everything with hand tools. Jesus believed in hard work, and God wants you and I to understand hard work. He wants us to work hard. He doesn't want us to just get by. In fact, God's Word teaches us that, that men should work if they're going to eat. In the Scriptures, in, in, in your notes, in, in 2 Thessalonians, it says, For even when we were with you, Paul wrote, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Back then, just like today, people think that you go to church and you get a soft touch. I can, I can just get, I'm just, uh, I can get money, I get people to give me stuff. Uh, that's not God's plan. And he said, he's writing to them, he says in verse, in verse 12 of the same chapter, it says, now them that are such, these people who are walking disorderly and are not working, now they, them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and they eat their own bread. See, work, God wants us to work. In fact, the Bible tells us that men should enjoy their labor. That, that's, part, that's, that's what we're supposed to enjoy. We're supposed to enjoy working and, and then watching something develop from what we work. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says there is nothing. Here's God's word. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink. Now, if you wanted to stop there, that sounds sort of pagan. There's nothing better that he should eat and drink and that he should Make his soul enjoy good in his labor. God wants us to work hard and then enjoy the fruits of our labor. Look at the next statement. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. God says here, God, you say, Lord, I want some fruit to eat. He says, here's a plow. Here's a plow. You say, I want, I want to, whatever you ask, God's going to give you an instrument whereby you can work in order to get that thing which you're asking him for. God wants you to, to understand. Jesus was known as a carpenter. He was known as a hard worker, and you and I should be too. It's a sad thing when somebody calls and says, you know, I got a member from your church, and he's the laziest guy in our team. We're trying to figure out how to let him go. That should never, ever take place. By the way, that's never happened uh, uh, here, but, um, well, Rob, uh, anyway, uh, uh, it's, it'd be a horrible thing. I, I wouldn't know what to say except, well, I'll talk to that person because Christians should be known as hard workers. Number, number six, Jesus is 100% God, but he was also 100% man. This is very, very important, and, and because some people have a misunderstanding, I want you to look down in uh, verse 3. It says, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James? There are those who teach that Jesus was a perpetual virgin, that she was a virgin till her death. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. This verse totally and completely discounts that. Uh, it... Uh, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James? Obviously, by now, Joseph has died, and so Joseph is not mentioned here, but this is the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us too. So not just brothers, but he had sisters. We don't know how many sisters, but we know he had at least four brothers. And they were offended 
at him because they knew he was a man. They knew that he was a man. He, he had a mother, he had four brothers, and he had sisters. It's very important that we understand, uh, just w- that we learn from this verse, that Mary was not a virgin until death. But the point here beyond that is this, that Jesus is 100% God. He was also 100% man. And he lived as a man. And what he did, he referred to himself more as the son of man than any other title. Now, we know that he was a prophet. In fact, he'll refer to himself as a prophet in just a minute. We know that he was the son of God. In fact, when the woman at the well approached him, she said, we know that Messiah is coming. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. He identified himself as the Messiah. He identified himself as the son of God. He identified himself as uh, as uh, Uh, as the Son of Man. I want you to understand that Jesus was 100% man, and he lived as a man, and the miracles and the the things that he did, he did as a spirit-controlled man. Was he 100% God? Yes. Do we understand that? No. If you understand that, you're confused. Uh, The the fact is, we can't comprehend how, how there can be one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus can say, I am the Father, and Jesus can refer to the Holy Spirit and himself as one. We can't understand that in totality, but we do understand that Jesus lived as a man, and he lived dependent as a man on the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to understand that when we get saved, he comes to live inside of us through the Holy Spirit, and we have the ability through his Spirit in submission to him to do amazing works for God if we just surrender to him. So we learn that Jesus was 100% God. He was also 100% man. We also learn this, that Jesus was rejected by those that were closest to him, and yet he loved them. Man, isn't it easy when somebody rejects you to reject them? Isn't it easy when somebody says negative things about you to say negative things about them? Isn't it, isn't it easy when somebody calls you old to tell everybody how they get silver hair? And uh, isn't it easy to just, to just get at someone else? I'm telling you, I, I really uh, had to deal with the fact that I have a sharp tongue. Uh, I grew up that the way my family showed love to one another was insulting each other. My uncles would come in and say all sorts of terrible things to me. My uncles thought it was funny to give me Charlie horses. My, my, uh, my uncles, and I was the baby of the family. So I had my big brothers, my brother-in-laws, my cousins. They would all, it was the fun thing to do. Uh, one day I walked into my house and, and uh, my uncle grabbed a hold of this finger. And he did one of these little finger tricks where you're Get, making go and pay. And he would always say, he would, he would say, okay, now you're going to do whatever I say. I'd say, yes, sir. He'd say, and he'd say, sit down. And I'd sit down. He thought this was fun. This is, this is my family. You say, they were terrible. I agree. And um, poor me. And so, and, and, but then my, but here's what happened. My brother-in-law came in and grabbed my other finger. And he's doing it. This, and my brother, my, my, my uncle said, sit down. And, and my brother-in-law said, stand up. What are you going to do with people like that? Well, I developed a sharp tongue, so I could, I could run very fast, and I could say all sorts of mean things. And uh, so it's easy for me to, be, to, to, to say negative things. The Bible uses the word blasphemy, speaking evil of others. Um, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was rejected by those that were closer to him, closest to him, and yet he loved them. We need to understand that sometimes when we're doing what God wants us to do, that people will reject us. When I first came to Las Vegas, I said to my, to my, my family, the, the girls in our family weren't so bad, but the guys in our family, uh, I said to them, look, I want you to understand in my home, uh, you're, there's no cussing, and in my home, there's no smoking, and in my home, there's no drugs and we're no, there's no drinking. None of that's going on in my house. So if you want to come over, we'd love to have you, but, but uh, that, none of that goes on in our house. Well, who are you to th- tell us what to do? And, and they never came to the house for about two years. Uh, later on, because they loved my kids, they came. But, uh, uh, but 
uh, the, the point is, you will be, uh, when, you're, when you stand for truth, sometimes your family will reject you. Stand for truth anyway, because they need that truth. Uh, Jesus, Jesus referred to himself, I think this is interesting, that he refers to himself here as a prophet. He said a prophet is not without, without honor except in his own town. That's, that's the, the basic statement here. But now, I want you to understand what a prophet is. A prophet is a proclaimer of truth. And God's Word tells us, again, that we are to follow his example. So what's his, what, what, how are we supposed to follow his example? I don't care if you're a man or a woman here. You're supposed to be a prophet or a prophetess as well. You're supposed to be a proclaimer of truth. In Acts chapter 6, or Acts chapter 2, and verse 16, there in your notes, it says, but, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. This is what God said from the prophet Joel about those who got saved. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons, <clears throat> now listen to this, and your daughters shall prophesy. That's, that's what Joel said would happen, and that's what Peter said was happening on the day of Pentecost. Guys and girls were preaching. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, that is on the guys and the girls, I will pour out my spirit in those days, or I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they will prophesy, or they're going to preach, or they're going to proclaim truth. Now, that doesn't mean that the Bible says there should be women pastors. There's no such thing as a woman pastor, and there's no such thing as a woman deacon. Uh, but what he does say is that every man and woman, every young person, anybody that's gotten saved should be preaching the truth. We should be proclaiming truth. Wherever God allows us to proclaim truth, we should proclaim truth. And we cannot allow the rejection of some to keep us from speaking the truth. I'm telling you, in our day, in 2023, it's amazing who doesn't know the truth. Congress doesn't know the truth. Senators don't know the truth. I don't think there's anybody in the White House that knows the truth. People don't know the truth. They don't even know that they are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. We need to pray for our politicians because they don't even understand that there is spiritual wickedness happening in high places. You say, how can anybody be that dumb? Satan makes them dumb. Satan makes them, Satan is working. Demons are all over uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and Carson City, and City Hall, they're working to destroy our nation. They're working, and you and I need to understand that we are supposed to be the ones who are proclaiming, speaking the truth in love, not condemning. We don't want to become like the conservative commentators who rip people apart and use foul language to stand for truth when they don't even totally understand the truth. What we need to do is speak the truth in love. And we, if we're not speaking the truth, then nobody else is going to. Jesus was one who spoke the truth. He loved people even when he was rejected by those who were closest. And then number, number eight. I love, I, this is so amazing. The Bible says that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Look at this last thing. It says, it says but Jesus said unto them in verse four, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Now, I want you to know, they knew about his miracles. They knew the great things that had taken place. And the Bible says, and he could there do no mighty works save that he laid his, his hands on a few sick folk and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the village's teaching. I think it's interesting that he didn't let their negativity stop him from continuing to preach. But note, note several things. He did limited miracles because they would not believe. 
was, did he have the power? He had to have the Holy Spirit living inside of him, but he, was, but he did limited miracles. He did very few miracles. They could have seen their sick raised. They could have seen lame people walking. They could have seen wonderful things take place, but their unbelief hindered him. Our unbelief can hinder what God wants to do through us. We say, well, I can't do because I've got this problem, or I, I can't do because I'm sick. Well, you don't understand what I can't. Yeah, I can't. And when, we, when we're saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, so there's so much positive negativity in our world. It's unbelievable. I know you're going to crash. Uh, positively negative. Oh, I know we're going to die. You're positively negative. Uh, I know that's not going to work out. You're positively negative. I know we can't do that. You're positively negative. Think about what you're saying. You serve a God that can do anything. You serve a God that, that, that spoke the worlds into existence, and that God lives inside of you. But our unbelief can hinder what God wants to do through us. We've got to believe God. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm weak, I'm tired, that's great. Let his grace be made known through your weakness. Let his strength be made known through your weakness. Just keep doing what God wants you to do. I think this is fascinating, and I'm going to leave you with this. There are only two things that caused Jesus to marvel. As I went through the scriptures to see what caused Jesus to marvel there are only two things that I found. Now, I might, I, it was just a short study. But there was only two times that I found that Jesus marveled at anything. And the first one that, that I mentioned, is mentioned right here, he marveled at their unbelief. The unbelief of those in his hometown that should have believed. They should have believed. And yet, Jesus marveled. I can't believe it. Now, God knew but the human part of Jesus said, this is amazing that they are so much unbelieved. He marveled at their unbelief. I found that, if we find that here. So I checked to see other things. What other things did Jesus marvel at? The only thing that I found that he marveled at is in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10. And it's repeated in Luke chapter 7 and verse 9. When Jesus heard it, there was, a, there, was a, there was a centurion who came to Jesus and said, would you, uh, my servant, my servant who I care about is sick and dying, would you heal him? And Jesus said, well, I'll come to your house. And he said, no, no, you don't have to come to my house. I believe, I, I, I know what it's like to be under authority, and I believe you have the authority, and that you're under the authority of God, and if you just speak, my servant will be healed. This is a centurion. This is a Roman citizen. This is not a Jew. And he's coming to a Jewish Messiah, and he's saying, I believe that you can, you can heal my son. And look what the Bible, or my servant. He says, verily I say, and the Bible says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith in Israel. The story is repeated in Luke chapter 7 and verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus marvels at, at people who are his children that don't believe. And he marvels at people when they do believe. It's unexpected for a centurion, Roman centurion to believe. And Jesus marveled at his belief. And he also marveled at the Jewish people's unbelief. Man, I want God to marvel at me because I believed him. And, and people will say, well, if I believe him and I do the things, I might look foolish. Hey, listen, I don't care what the world thinks. I want people to marvel I want Jesus to marvel and say, hey, Dave Tice believes me. We need to believe him so that he'll marvel at our belief. So we looked at eight things very quickly tonight. Um, he, he marveled at the great faith of the Roman centurion who asked him to heal his daughter. So what do we learn about Jesus? That we should follow. Jesus cared about family and friends. Jesus was in church as much as possible. You should be too. Jesus served whenever and wherever possible, you should too. 
Jesus spoke with wisdom and authority. You should too. Jesus believed in hard work. You should too. Jesus was 100% God. You're not. But you have him living inside of you. He was also 100% man. And the works that he did, he said we would do greater. Jesus was rejected by those closest to him, and yet he loved them. Love people no matter how they treat you. And lastly, Jesus marveled at unbelief. Ask God to help you walk in belief. If you're not a Christian, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, tonight, trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's bow for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to share truth. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people that are in this church, the love they have one for another. And I pray, Father, that you'll just continue to bless them. I pray that they'll grow in their love one for another. I pray that we'll be patient one with another. I pray that we'll encourage one another. I pray we'll strengthen one another. And I pray, Father, that we'll become more and more like you and that these qualities that we looked at tonight will be true of us as individuals and true of us as a church. Might we reflect you in all we do and say. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a question. Do you know for sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Is there a time that you remember personally asking Jesus to save you? If you know that, if you know for sure you're going to heaven, would you slip up your hand as a testimony to that? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I don't know I'm going to heaven. <clears throat> I'd like to know that, but I don't. By an uplifted hand, you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I heard you talk about Jesus, but I don't know for sure. I can't remember a time I personally asked Jesus to save me. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you or ask you to come up here, but I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you slip up your hand and let me pray for you right now? I'm not sure. If I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I can't remember a time I personally asked Jesus to save me. Anybody at all? I'm looking. Now, I don't see any hands going up, but I would say this. If that's you, you can pray right now in your seat. You can say these words to Jesus. You can say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. And I believe I'm a sinner. I believe you died to pay for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And right now, in the best way I know how, I call on you, ask you to be my Lord and my Savior and my God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you just prayed that, you've become a child of God. Welcome to the family. Christian, ask the Lord to help you take what we've heard tonight and apply it. There's nothing more practical than following Jesus' example. Let's be like him. Ask God this week to give you someone who you can bring to Harvest Sunday this week. Let God use you to see lost people saved. Father, thank you for the privilege of teaching your word. Help us to apply it. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.